In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Hey there, and welcome to the show. I'm the real Jason Duncan. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching this on YouTube, I especially want to thank you because I appreciate you tuning in to watch this. We record this live and in person, and it's good to know that you're there. If you're not watching this on YouTube, you need to go check it out. It's at youtube.com slash C slash the real Jason Duncan, or you could just search for the hashtag the root of all success. This is a podcast that is, uh, that is syndicated by the C-Suite Radio Network. We're on, uh, honored to be a part of their network. It's on every podcast player you can imagine. If you haven't subscribed on your podcast player of preference, please make sure you do that. And if you haven't left us a five-star review, we would really appreciate you go do that. And if you don't think it deserves five stars, send me an email. Let's talk. <laughs> we'll figure out what we can do to make it better for you. But we're filming this live in Nashville, Tennessee at the Standard at the Smith House, which is 18,000 square feet of Southern sophistication and style, right here in the heart of downtown. It's one of the oldest antebellum homes still standing here in, the, in downtown Nashville. And it is, uh, it's one of the top five cigar bars in the country, one of the most fantastic steak restaurants that you'll ever go to. It's fantastic. I, I, had, I had some friends here that ate not just a few weeks ago and never had the food here, and they were just uh, beaming about how amazing it was. But the, uh, the standard is operated uh, by the one and only Joshua Sterling Smith. And uh, as a member here and a good friend of Josh's, he's allowing me to record the podcast here in the Matador Room. So if you're watching this, on YouTube, you can see we're in this beautiful room, and then we'll also post pictures of this on all my social media platforms, which you can follow me on at the Real Jason Duncan. So that's our sponsor for the kind of where we're having this at the at the Standard the Smith House. But I've got a sponsor for today's episode called Eight Bend Marketing, and it's Eight Bend Marketing. You can go to the number eight b e n d dot marketing. That's Eight Bend Marketing dot. Uh, uh, excuse me. It's just Eight Bend dot marketing slash root for a special offer. But let me tell you a little bit about what they do. I'm a, I'm a business coach. Part of what I do as a business coach besides hosting this podcast. And I've got a client that I was coaching a couple of years ago, and they came back from a meeting with their marketing company with some messaging for their website and for their sales team that was phenomenal. Phenomenal. I had never seen anything that good. Words are so important when you're trying to demonstrate or tell people what your business does. And so my client had worked with 8Bend. I didn't know at the time who they'd worked with, but had come back with such phenomenal messaging. So good, so clear, so to the point. I told my client, I said, you have to introduce me to these people. And I ended up getting to meet the owner of the company and his team, and they uh, now do some work for me, and I, I think they're phenomenal. So if you need messaging for your business, you're trying to figure out how to get your story across, no matter what it is that you do, reach out to 8Bend Marketing. You can go to the number 8, B-E-N-D, 8Bend.Marketing slash root, as in root of all success, and they have a special offer for you to help you set up your messaging for your business. All right, so now let's get on with the show and let's talk about why we're here today. I've got this theory that there are five keys to success that every successful entrepreneur uses that's part of their story. Now, whether they intended it for to happen or not, it's almost always part of the story. And I've never met anybody who's successful that didn't get there using one of these five keys. So I developed this podcast as a way to kind of dig that out of some amazingly successful entrepreneurs. And today's guest is no different. I mean, you're going to be blown away by this guy's story. Uh, and and we'll tell, I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a minute. But this guy is the co-founder of a U.S. hotel census company called STR, Smith Travel Research. Uh, he founded it with his late wife. They had, at, before he sold it, and still do today, they have 350 employees in over 15 countries. They do uh, data benchmarking, analytics, and marketplace insights for the global hospitality industry. So if you ever want to know 
uh, how hotels are doing in Singapore or New York. They've got the data on how many nights are being stayed in, where the hotels are that are they're doing great versus not. It's an interestingly unique business that he started and grew and grew and grew. And his contributions have been recognized in the business industry with many prestigious accolades. And in October of 2019, he sold STR for $450 million. So you're gonna to wanna to make sure you listen to what this guy did and how he got to success because now he's building a house on 250 acres on the lake somewhere here close to Nashville. We're not gonna tell you where it is, but it's somewhere close to Nashville on the lake and it is absolutely phenomenal. He built a business, very successful. He's an avid fisherman and a hiker as well. Please join me in welcoming the one and only Randy Smith to the root of all success. Randy, thank you so much for being here. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for having me. Well, it is, uh, so we, we, you and I both are from Sumner County, Tennessee, which is just north of Nashville, and for those that are listening from all over the world. And um, your business, STR, has, uh, we were just talking about this pre-show, gorgeous building sitting right there kind of between Hendersonville and Gallatin and I never knew what it was it just said STR it had no de no uh, no description but after I learned out what learned what it was I was very impressed and and up till today when you walked in here I'd never met you but I'd heard so many good things about you so tell the listeners how you started STR like how did that's such a weird and unique thing how did that get started it is a uh, it was a very small niche um, but it was I, I my wife and I lived in Florida I graduated from Florida State University and I was at a one of those college interviews when a consultant a hotel consultant showed up at that college to do one of these interviews and she met me and we got to know each other and she said I had the perfect spot for me. So they moved me from, I went to Tallahassee there at Florida State. Uh, they sent me to Orlando, which at the time, this was, gee whiz, almost 40 years, 50 years ago, uh, that was Hotel Central here in the U.S. Orlando had, they were just getting going with Disney World. And if you were going to look at hotels, that's where you went. Well, I went to work for that firm who sent me to Orlando, and they had over 300 consultants who worked in the hotel industry around the country doing feasibility studies. Somebody would go to them and say they want to build a new Holiday Inn, they want to build a new Ramada, whatever. They're going to build. These consultants would come in and tell you, you know, good location, how many rooms, should it have food and beverage. Anyway, all this information flowed into the research department, which was in Orlando, Florida. So I worked in the research department, and it didn't take any time at all to realize there needed to be some type of a national tracking system for the performance of hotels. And so my boss and I, the gentleman I went to work for, I had a mentor. And, you know, that's, that is one of the key things. I would tell him, you need an awesome mentor, and I had one. Uh, my boss had taught at Cornell for 40 years. Cornell had the largest hotel school in the world at the time. I guess probably still does. But anyway, he taught there, and he wrote the book on hotel accounting. He wrote the manual on how to do a feasibility study for a hotel. And this is the man I went to work for. He had basically retired and had moved to Orlando, Florida, and set up a research department. And he hired me in to go to work for him. So I, I sat across the desk from this man for about four or five years, and he had me listen to his conversations as he talked to all the leaders of the hotel industry. Because that firm, Plavathol and Horwath, they've since, they died in 1995, I guess, from the accounting side. But the consulting side was doing really well. But anyway, uh, so yeah, John Asher brought me in under his wing and he had me sit there and learn about the hotel industry. He poured everything into me. He had spent an entire career in the industry. I was a fresh graduate out of Florida State, and he taught me everything there was about the hotel industry. So we devised a market share plan. We're like, we can figure this out. So we went to the higher-ups in the firm, said, we're going to do this, and they immediately shut it down. 
They're like, no, you can't do that. That threatens the feasibility study practice. So we're like, oh, gee whiz. So we rethought it. About a year later, we tried it again. We're like, this time, we went ahead and sent a letter out to all the major hotel companies saying, we're trying to create a national database and track the performance of this industry. Would you be interested? And what year was this? This would have been in 82. So you didn't email them? <laughs> no, we did not do an email. We sent letters. We sent actual You wrote a letter letters. on a typewriter, probably. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, we had a... Word processor. Those, yeah, word processors. Yeah. We had those brand new word processors. And we sent... It was 50 letters. We got an address thing from the hotel association that listed the top 50 hotel brands in the U.S. Now, as consultants and accountants, the accounting firm audited numerous hotel companies. They audited Marriott, Hilton, several of them. And so that was part of our problem we didn't realize. So we sent a letter to Marriott. Would you participate in this? Well, of course, the Marriott guy then calls the partner at the local Blavaton and Horvath office what is this I've just received from your corporate office? Anyway, we got the partners in all the different offices extremely upset with us because we did not go through the proper channels. So that was effort number two. We then thought about it for another year. Like, we can make this thing work. And who's we? You, you me and my boss. Okay. Me you're, and my boss. Okay, it's gotcha. just me and him sitting down there in Florida. There was no <laughs> practice office there. They had practice offices in New York, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, you name it, Atlanta. But there was not one in Orlando. And so it was just us, me and him, and we're coming up with all these schemes. Now, what was happening, though, if a study was done in Houston or a study was – those studies done by those 300 consultants, every one of those studies poured into Orlando. So we were sitting there reading these things. And, you know, it was astounding – You'd see a report from a Houston guy, and you'd compare that to the guy that's in Dallas, and they both have entirely different perceptions on which way the Texas hotel market was going. And we're like, this is chaos. We've got to do a better job of this. So we continue to think this through. We're like, okay, next time we'll give this one more shot. This time we will go through the partners. We'll contact them, tell them we're going to contact your client, Marriott Hotels, we did it a third time. That time I got called in. They were like, that's it, we're done. You either knock this off, I don't wanna, we don't wanna hear about this anymore, or else you're just out the door. And so I was like, well, gee whiz. So my boss then, the guy who had taught me all this stuff, he quits, he retires. He goes ahead and walks out the door. Really? He's like, okay. He didn't wanna fight through it. No, so then that made me the director of this department. And I'm like, well, I'm a director of a department that's basically going nowhere. So, brief sidetrack, my wife, she was going to college at the time while I was working at Laventhal and Horwith, and she was uh, working on becoming a structural engineer. And so, you know, female and structural engineer, late 70s, early 80s, she was basically going to write her ticket. So... We end up, she goes to work in York, Pennsylvania. I'm working, I get transferred from Orlando when my boss quits. They want me, because I'm the director of research, to the home office in Philadelphia. So they transfer me to Philadelphia. My wife then gets a, graduates from Drexel University. She goes to work in York, Pennsylvania. So we move to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And she's going west. 30 miles a day, and I'm going east 60 miles a day. So every day we were about 100 miles apart. Wow. And we did that for four years. Now, I caught a train into Philadelphia. She had to drive to York. But anyway, she was working for an engineering firm, and she was getting really frustrated with it. She didn't care for it. She was one, there was two, two women, 400 men. She didn't like it. And anyway, so she was getting dissatisfied with her job. I was getting dissatisfied with my job. After a little while, we're like, I come home one day, and she's like, I quit. I was like, you can't quit. I want to quit. <laughs> Within a week, we both quit our jobs. So we were both making good money. I mean, this was good money, and we walked away from it. 
And, and this was what year? I want to try to keep the oh, time. Oh, this time would time. have been in uh, early '85. Okay, so this hadn't been. This wasn't long. So in '82, you're working with the with the company in Orlando. Boss quits. You move to Pennsylvania. So '85 ish. You guys both walk in and say, we're done. We're not we're doing done. this anymore. Yeah. Okay. Now what? Now what happened? <laughs> we, uh, you know, this idea of a market share plan was still percolating in the back of my mind. And what does that mean? What does market share plan mean? To, to be able to tell Holiday Inn. So, okay. In Chicago, you have 10% of the rooms. You captured 12% of the room nights sold. And you captured 15% of the room revenues. Okay. So it kind of is an explanation of how they're performing not relative just a, thumb, a wet thumb in the wind. It's actually data. Relative to their competition. Hard numbers. Right. And, and that was one of the things we did was tapped into an existing supply of data. If you, as a franchisee of Holiday Inns, you were required to report that each month, those three numbers. Your rooms available, which is the number of rooms in a hotel, times the days in a month. So if you've got a 100-room hotel, 30 days, you got 3,000 rooms available that month. Did you sell 2,600 of them? So what was the total room night sold at then your rate? Tells you what your total revenues were. So we went after those three numbers because that was required in franchise agreements to back to the corporate offices. So we knew if we could get the corporate offices to report it, we could bring that data from all over the country into one spot. Okay, so that's the market share idea. Yes. And when you guys said, okay, we quit, <laughs> now you're figuring out how do we get that How do we do share? this? Yeah. So we walk out the door. And literally, you know, this was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and her parents lived in Memphis. And, well, actually, it's the Tennessee River, uh, Camden, Tennessee, Camden, if you know where Camden is. That's where her parents lived. So we're like, well, let's go on vacation and figure out what we're going to do. So we go to Camden, Tennessee, drive down here, and going to spend a week or two. Now, while I'm drowned, right before I left, I got a very good job offer from a company in Southern California who had known the work I had been doing at Laventhal and Horwith. It was one of their big competitors. And they were offering me a job. They were like, heard you left your job, we'll hire you. We're in Southern California. And we will give your wife a good job with the Irvine Company which is a very big, impressive company at the time. So we're like, okay, let's go on vacation. So we headed to Camden, Tennessee, and we're literally on the lake fishing, on Kentucky Lake fishing, when we're trying to decide, do we take those jobs or do we throw caution to the wind and try and start this market share company? And Can I guess where you did? <laughs> yeah. And we still remember it to this day, June 1st, 1985. We were sitting out there fishing when the two of us, my wife and I both, we were like, well, if we're ever going to do this, now is the time to do it. We were 30, oh, 33, 34, somewhere in there. I don't remember. It was 85. I would have been 33. So we decided to throw caution to the wind and start this business. So we go back up to Pennsylvania. And I won't get into all the details of, we figured we needed $60,000. We came up short. We had, we had managed to save through the 401, stuff like that, $40,000. And so we came up 20,000 short. Well, how the details of that happened, but we ended up borrowing 10,000 from my dad and 10,000 from my wife's dad. And that got us our $60,000. We went out with that 60000 and bought two PCs, a plotter, and a printer, and it cost us $34,000. Oh what you could buy today for 1500 bucks cost us 30, they went half of our money for these two computers, compacts, 386s, one was a 386, one was a 286. Anyway, we were one of the very first companies, didn't realize it at the time, at, you know, PCs were still quite baffling to people. I had worked with a lot of data at Laventon and Horwith, but it was all in a timeshare environment, which you logged into a remote computer that belonged to typically some big bank that sold time on that thing. Yeah. So it was a timeshare. So you interact with, with computers, but you didn't have a computer setting on your desk. Nobody had that. But 
we got to literally thinking how many characters would it take to eke in a name and an address, number of rooms, you know, some basic information about hotels and key that in and how big of a hard drive did these things have. They had, one had all the way up to 70 megs of hard data you can actually put into this thing. And we're like, that will hold a U.S. Census database. So we buy this equipment. My wife and I literally drive around Lancaster. Then we drove around Philadelphia, Harrisburg, all around the area. She'd pull up. I'd walk into the lobby, grab a directory of hotels for that brand, Days Inn, Ramada, Holiday Inns, you name it. We would take those directories back home, and we'd sit down at those computers and start creating that database. We would key in name and address. And we did that. It took us working relentless. I mean, it was relentless. We were working just, we would get up at 6 in the morning, and we were going to bed at midnight at night, correcting keys. We'd spend all day long. And we did that for a year. And this is in 1985. You bought a $35,000 computer system, and you are actually walking in and picking up physical copies of things just to put it into a computer system. And did th is that, did you name the company at that time, or you were just working? You didn't even name at it? At the time, we had, oh, there, that's, we had decided we're going to, you know, from the fishing trip, we're going to, so we go back home. And the first thing, okay, we're going to start a business. Well, what do you do? We didn't know. I'd never started one before. <laughs> Somebody had said, oh, I, we knew that. You had to go to an attorney and have him file some paperwork. That file it with the state, get your name registered. We knew that much. That's all you knew. Yeah. So we went to an attorney and say, we want to create this company, Smith Travel Research. So you did have that name to begin with. We did with. have that name. I've both regretted and anyway, that was the name we chose. Right. Smith Travel Research. Well, I see, and I didn't, I've only known it as STR for the first, I don't know, 10 years. Yes. I knew it existed. I didn't know what STR stood for. Yeah, we, we went through a whole corporate renaming yeah. and uh, yeah, redefined it as STR. And so, so today though, STR is, is it, it's still under the brand STR, but it was yeah. purchased by another company. By right? CoStar. CoStar, which I think yeah. the real estate folks are going to know that name because yes. they do a lot of the real estate um, And CoStar databases. has been an excellent buyer. Yeah. I, I talked to the, you know, my, my former employees, their current employees, and I talked to them often. And <laughs> as one of them said, hey, I used to work for a rich eccentric guy, and I still work for a rich eccentric guy. <laughs> just a different one. <laughs> just a different one. <laughs> so, we got, so we got this story. So let me kind of summarize. So you've got you and your wife sitting on a fishing boat in Camden, Tennessee, in Kentucky Lake. We're, we're, gonna, we're quitting our jobs. We're going to start this company. Let's, go, let's pull our, t our money together. You got 40 from the 401ks. Or, or your retirements, 10 from one parent, 10 from another, or whatever, and now you got your money, you get the database, you're hustling 12, 15 hours a day, getting this thing put together, and you've got a company. So how did it go from that to actual making money? Like, how did you make money with that data? Somewhere along the line. Now, that's one of the things I definitely attribute my success to, is I read a lot. I started reading, I started subscribing to the Wall Street Journal when I was 17 years old. I remember when it was one section. I mean, I go back a long time reading Financial World. I got a degree in finance. And somewhere in all of that, I had read somewhere that probably the single most profitable thing you do is create a newsletter. And I was like, oh, a newsletter. They were like, you get lots of subscribers and it doesn't cost you anything to produce it. It's just printing cost. So we're like, oh, okay, so we need to take this census database, that we've got this database, and let's start publishing a newsletter based on it. Then we could say how many hotels were in New York, and here's how they broke down. How many hotels were in Tennessee, and here's how they, no performance data at this point, just basic census data. Yeah. How many were there, where were they? We could draw you a map. That, was pl that plotter we bought, you could draw a map of where the hotels were located. And so we started this newsletter. Well, we hadn't put out two or three of them till the guys at Holiday Inns gave me a call. Remembered me from trying to get that market share program, and they're like, you realize if you could get the data you need from us and with that census database, you're just a step away from market share. And I was like, 
Yes. And so I, was, I do think that would work, but I, I could not get that off the ground with Lavathon Horwath. What on earth makes me think I can get this off the ground with me and my wife? And the guys were in, at that point, Memphis. My mom lived in Memphis. And so they were like, come on down and let's talk. And I was like, what the heck, it was at Christmas. I was like, I'll come on down and talk to you guys. I meant to go down for one day, visit with my mom, and drop in. I ended up spending almost four days there talking to the Holiday Inn guys about what they wanted in the way of a market share program. And now Holiday Inn was based in Memphis, like corporate. That's where it started, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was their corporate Good office. Tennessee company. Yeah. And I was at their corporate office. I'm talking to their head of marketing and their head of construction. And they wanted to know this information. Where to put the next hotel. Yeah. And so where we'll get anyway so they're like you've got us we will you've got us as a client go back and see who else you can sell now now you said you said you got us as a client did they pay you like it was $25,000 no kidding they held that over my head for the, in 1985 <laughs> they were the first company to sign on to the program and they signed on for $25,000 and oh my gosh now, every year since then i mean their contracts whole lot more now but every year now you guys remember we were the first ones 25 but that's still a lot of money and i mean that's not a lot of money in today's terms but in 1985 for them to take a flyer on a guy and his wife putting data together and the hotel industry was desperate for that information so data is your key well like and i think a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to this show i, I think they if they're like you and me that read a lot and we're paying attention data is the big thing like google oh. today is a data company everything's Dang. data and it was it the industry knew it was coming yeah. and they were trying their best to figure out how it was how they could get it together i kind of walked in and i, I left it so i go to the american hotel, hotel association and asked them would they endorse this effort. And Ken Hine, the guy who was the head of the association at that point, he said, you know, the fact that you spent 10 years at Lavathon and Horvath got you in the door, the fact that you left them, that's going to get you an agreement. Wow. So they agreed to endorse this thing. So when we sent out a letter to the industry, we were able to say, please participate in this market survey that's been endorsed by the Hotel Association. And... Boom. That month, we had the single largest survey ever conducted of the industry and its performance. And it all started on the fishing boat in Camden, yeah. Tennessee. <laughs> and so then we start signing up the brands. We start sending out letters, trying to get every brand to participate. Some of them were real holdouts. Oh, it took us forever to get Super 8. Uh, just some of them were just real. Red Roof was difficult. Uh, but anyway, it was that was when I traveled the country. So, so Randy, I, I, I am uh, your story is even more impressive now that I hear the origins. But you, so you've got you got STR Smith Travel Research. You've got Holiday Inn to kind of make that first flyer. Now take the flyer on you, and now you've got your newsletter, so to speak. You've got this thing going out, and you're making money. And now, when did you move to Nashville or the Nashville area, Tennessee, when from Pennsylvania? It, that was a completely oddly personal issue that where my wife and I lived the little house we had started the business in we had been renting it in Pennsylvania in Pennsylvania there in Lancaster well the the lease was running out and the guy wanted to sell the house and so we needed we were trying to get the business started and we had some cash flow you know it was starting to kind of look like you know the newsletter was generating some business so we go to some banks there in Pennsylvania would you give us a loan so we could buy a house we've got this business going here 100% across the board. No, you're self-employed. Wouldn't do it. Would not even consider it. My wife has wants to fly down here to Nashville to go over to see her mom in Camden. She flies to Nashville and I was like, why are you there? Walk into a bank. See what they'll say if we want to get a mortgage. She walked The first bank she walked into and it was one of the branches and she asked the guy would they give us a mortgage? Well, so he, you know, have her sit down and she was like, now, mind you, we're self-employed. And he looked right at her and says, ma'am, this is Music City. If we didn't deal with self-employed people, we would be out of business. <laughs> and she was like, so we never connected. Oh, my gosh, everybody in the music business is self-employed. Right. And so 
were like, they would give us a mortgage. So literally, we packed up everything in a Chrysler minivan, and we drove from Pennsylvania down here and purchased a house. And we had to have one that had office space over a garage, and that's what we moved STR into. And it was in that house for about two years when the neighbors started complaining about all the UPS and See, now this was before the internet. So moving data was we're shipping disks all over the place, printing out hard copies. By the time the internet really got going, we were go there was a point there where we were going through 30 cases, and I mean cases, not reams, 30 cases of paper a month. Oh I mean, we were going through it's printing these reports, shipping on a FedEx loved us. I mean, we would ship FedEx cases of paper. We would ship three of those to Quality Inns. Three of those goes to Marriott. I mean, we were going through trees. We all felt bad about it. So yeah, <laughs> well, we there's were nothing you of, could do. I mean, that's how you had to do business. We were one of the first adopters of moving data over the internet. That there has to be a better way to move this stuff. So we started at the very beginning, trying to adopt everything we could to move data. So you've built, you and your wife, your, your late wife has built an amazingly successful, profitable company just out of sheer, like you knew there was a, a, an opportunity in this marketplace and you built it. And not only did you build it, but you guys are doing so much revenue. And then, and then to sell it to a huge company like CoStar, did, was that part of your plan? Did you think, hey, one day I'm going to sell it to this huge company or Never. what? Actually, so, when my wife and I were growing the business, Selling it was never even a consideration. To this day, and my son even congratulates me on this one issue, the simple fact that we were able to build the business, start the business, and build the business without ever selling a single piece or even taking on any debt. That business was profitable from day one. That very first year, it made a little bit of money. Next year, it made a little bit more. By the time we got the entire industry involved, there's data pouring in, we're pouring out. Some of the different reports that we created through from that, we print money. It's, it's astounding. If you want to know, you want to build a hotel, let's say you bought a site at Nashville Airport, and you want to build a brand new hotel there. They'll call us up and say, we want to pick these six hotels that are in around that airport, and we want to know what their occupancies and room rates have been for the last three years. Sure. We print that report, takes us about five, takes less than a minute to process that report. And we typically charge between $250 and $300. Mm -hmm. And we go through, we do thousands of them a year. So I, I think that as listeners are listening to this, Randy, that a lot of them are entrepreneurs who either have businesses already going and they're just trying to look for interesting stories. Others are out there sitting in their cars or jogging or they're sitting at home, you know, just listening to a podcast and they're thinking, I've got this idea. But here's what I think I want to kind of drive in this point is that so many are trying to be clever and they're trying to look for this weird, unique, they want to be the next Amazon, the next Google, the next whatever, the next Tesla. But the thing is you, you built a nine figure business. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what you were, but you sold it for nine, a nine figure business just based on data that like there's, that is in the eighties, <laughs> in the eighties. And the thing is for me today, I, you know, I think it's more difficult today than it was when we first started that. That was at the very beginning of the PC revolution. I mean, we caught a wave. And at times, I think it's somewhat more difficult today because you don't have a wave like that behind you. But at the same time, everywhere I look, I see opportunities to process this, to look at this. What we do for the hotel industry, there's very few other industries out there that do it. There is industries across this world that could desperately use market share data, and nobody's doing it for them. So your 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 boss at the at the firm who quit, um, is he still with us today? Is no, he, no, he passed, he passed away years ago. Right after he retired, a few years after that, Lavantano Horvath, the firm went under. So he lost his retirement. I mean, he was had a really nice retirement. And he lost the whole thing. 
He comes to work for me. The fact that I'm now his boss, I, I think was lost on him the entire time that he worked for me. <laughs> we had a, you know, he was a fascinating guy and he taught me everything I knew about the industry. So yeah, so I hired him in at STR and he stayed down there in Orlando and he, we'd talk about it every other day and he'd always call me up and just chew me out. He was a great editor. So I would write articles on the industry. Well, actually all of us would. And we'd send them to him for him to review. And then, so I'd get these phone calls. You know, do you have any idea what you're doing? I was like, no, no, no. What have I done now? And anyway, he'd chew me out. And at times, every now and then, I said, you know, you do realize you work for me. And he's like, <laughs> no, I don't. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, yeah, he, he passed away. And uh, that was a great loss to the industry. But uh, he introduced me to the industry and introduced me to a lot of the CEOs, head of marketing. And so I was, I knew a lot of these people by name and ended up going through the years. One of the odd things that we ended up doing was the hotel industry was clearly going global. They, Marriott was building hotels in Europe, Asia. I knew the CEO, Arnie Sorensen, who just passed away. That was a terrible loss. He's told some of the funniest stories. He was visiting their uh, property in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, and we're like, yeah, okay, yeah. And he goes, yeah, the 57th and 58th floor is flooded. What, what do you mean? Well, it was apparently they'd had an earthquake and it cracked the swimming pools that were on the roof. <laughs> oh, so wow. those floors flooded that were beneath the swimming pools. And we're like, okay. That was a different problem that you normally expect. And he was like, yeah, we had not expected that. Wow. They had some artwork. Anyway, Arnie had some fascinating stories. But the hotel industry started going global. So they're like, SDR, we, we, what you do for us here in the U.S., we need it in the U.K. We need it in Germany. We need it around the world. And that's when the fun began. Because we had gone into Canada. We were doing Canada, we were covering Canada, and we were covering Mexico and the Caribbean. So we were covering those. And the North American feed that we would get from the brands, it typically covered those properties. But it typically did not cover the ones they had in Europe or Asia or anywhere else. That's a different company within the brands. So we would have to talk to an entirely different department. The global struggles were that to a large extent, the fact that we had succeeded at going global and doing that, some of the struggles that we had in doing that were, but that was part of the big part of what CoStar was after when they purchased us, was the fact that we had succeeded globally where just about everybody else had failed. Well, that's your story. I mean, you, the grit and determination that you and your wife had originally to go out and drive hotel to hotel and get that data, you 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 use the same grit and determination to go out into the rest of the world and pick up that data from any places in Europe and Asia. And that's fantastic. Even at me, I thought that was somewhat audacious of us to go to a hotel in London. Uh, would you send your data over here at this little company in Hendersonville, Tennessee? <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say is your definition of success? In your own words, how would you define conceptually the word success? Just being comfortable with who you are and what you're doing. You know, I see people all the time who aren't comfortable, don't like what they're doing. And, you know, if you're comfortable and you enjoy what you're doing, I think you're a successful person. So do you consider yourself successful? Oh, at this point, I, I, if I can't say I'm a successful person, then uh, I have really screwed up somewhere badly. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, my, uh, the president of my company, Amanda, that's what she always, she said, when she gets older, she wants to live the life that Randy Smith has. Yeah. Because uh, now I, and I will, I had to sign a five-year non-compete with CoStar when I walked out the door. So I cannot do anything remotely involved in benchmarking, hotels, anything. So I basically walked away from the industry. And they didn't need to do that because I was ready to walk away. I had spent my entire professional career, literally, I had started with United Inns in Memphis, Tennessee as a payroll clerk when I was 17 years old. That's when I started getting the Wall Street Journal. 
And I had been working at a desk that entire time up until 18 months ago. Wow. When I sold out. And at that point, I was like, I've had enough. Well, I think all, all entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast and, and around the world, they all want to experience the life of Randy Smith, too. <laughs> <laughs> because who doesn't want to build a business over 35, 40 years and then walk away with a nine-figure payday? That's, that is a story that's, that's more than the American dream. That's, that's beyond people's wildest dreams. And now you're able to live and do something now in retirement that you could have never imagined. You were telling me stories before we went on live on the show about building your house on this 250 acres and the, the, the eccentric dude was there before, had giraffes and all these, like you're, you are, this is amazing, Randy. I, 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 I hope that you know how blessed that you are. Oh, I, when, when I'm out there on that 250 acres walking around, hiking around there, me and my little dog, I, I every day, I, it's, I have been very fortunate extremely fortunate in my life. Well, I think that, you know, part of this concept of the root of all success is I believe there are five keys to success. And the first is passion. And I, and I hear it and I sense it in your story because of what you and your wife pushed through in those early years, the passion to get that data and to make it work and to go meet with Holiday Inn and to go get these other, the holdouts like Super 8 to, to bring them in, to bring them into the, to the fold. But passion not only means in like joy and emotion, but it's ability to endure. Like the passion of the Christ, that word passion doesn't mean he was excited to do it. It meant he was willing to endure for a greater cause. And it sounds to me like your story includes that too. It's like you had a cause, you knew this data, this market research data was going to be worth something to somebody, helpful to them. And you had passion to go get it. Am I seeing that right? Absolutely, because for the hotel companies, and they wanted to sit down and they wanted to talk to me. They wanted to meet me face to face. And when I, you know, I met with the Holiday Inn guys and they were like, you've got us. So they were like, go see who else you can sell. I sent a letter to Hilton, sent a letter to Sheraton. They were in Boston. The guy from Sheraton calls me up, come on up, let's talk. So caught a train up, couldn't, didn't have the money to fly. Caught a train up to Boston, went to their headquarters. I wasn't 10 minutes into my presentation. I had taken a two page contract basically says you will pay me $25,000 and you will give me this data and you will get back market share reports. Two-page contract. I wasn't 10 minutes of that presentation until that guy reached over, grabbed that contract, flipped it over, and signed. I knew right then I could sell that to the hotel industry. That is. And it was, they felt the passion. <laughs> well, that's. That this was something that this guy could pull off. So you got passion is kind of that first thing that I think is the key to success and it shows up in your story. The second is being in the right place at the right time. And you being in Orlando, I think w with your former boss, I, that, the guy that you worked for, that not only was the right place, right time, but also maybe the right person that you needed to know to get this thing launched. Is that true? Oh, absolutely. He was at the end of his career and I was at the very beginning of mine and we made it, we came together and made a terrific team. And in terms of the timing of the whole thing, uh, that we've talked about, my wife and I talked about that often, that the PC revolution was starting, and that was huge for us. We could provide these reports to those brands at a fraction of the cost that we could have been during a timeshare environment. And so the cost of processing data had just collapsed, and we were right there at a, in a position at the time to capitalize right on place that. right time and i tell you that 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 concept what you experienced right place right time with the pc revolution every successful entrepreneur and i think the people listening to the show right now need to know are you putting yourself in the right place there are some things you aren't in control of like where you live uh it, it, well, where you live you're in control of, but the timing that you live in like living right now in the 20s like this is a time that there's things happen. You got to pay attention to that. The other, the fourth P is preparation. And it sounds to me oh. like you working with the, the, that firm really prepared you for this. I was, I had been perfectly trained to do exactly what I ended up doing. Yeah. And what that book, um, outliers, I don't know if you've been, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, uh, anyway, yeah, I put in all my time and effort. 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours. I put those in between my wife and I. We easily put that in. And then, uh, and that, you know, you, you mentioned that earlier. 
did we build it in order to sell it? We had never even considered selling the business. I had never thought about it, and I did not even think about it until about two years ago. My wife passed away five years ago. And when my wife passed away, I, you know, I tell myself I'm still ready to go. You know, we built this business, and I can keep this going. But I realized after a while I had lost it. And so that's when I decided to, it was time for me to sell and move on. You know, and that's also goes back to the passion thing. I think a lot of entrepreneurs got to understand that passion will get you going and can lead you to success. But it also, can, a lack of passion could be your downfall because it, it sounds to me, and I don't want to read too much into what you just said, but some passion part of that just kind of faded away when maybe she passed away your mental you know your mental state changes a little bit like eh, i'm not really all in but if you just if you decided to kind of double down on it without the passion it probably wouldn't have ended well well my wife and i were just we were a great team you know her with the engineering background and she was very detail oriented i was always big sky oh let's do this and she'd be like, well, let's think about that first. Yeah. And so we just made a really good team. And we built that business. And it was either me and her and Mark, who was the president. And then it became me and her and Amanda, who was the next president. And so it was always the three of us. And then, well, when I lost her, then I just basically lost it. And uh, But anyway, yeah, we made a great... And that's one thing, you know, I, I am a strong believer in traditional values and I do think having a, a partner to go through life with that complements you and makes you a better person is invaluable amen amen I agree 100 percent how long were you and your wife married oh geez 40 43 years that's congratulations on that I mean that doesn't happen anymore I I'm blessed enough my wife and I are celebrate we celebrate 26 years this year and, and and she's my best friend and I know exactly what you mean when you talk about needing that partner to go through that with so that's uh, thank you for sharing that more personal side of your story the uh, the final P of my five P's your know, passion place people preparation is plan and what I mean by plan is not written business plan because you could succeed or with, not without that doesn't matter i even have a story on that <laughs> well i want to hear it but i want to tell you that the plan what i mean is is that you've got to have this strategy to obtain and deploy the financial resources required to be successful and for you it was at sixty thousand dollars and you had a plan to go get it and that I'm, i love that part of your plan but talk about the bit the written business plan what, what do you got on that so when <laughs> i left the company and we're now after we talked to the attorney we're going to get this thing going we're trying to raise the money. So I go to some local financial people. A bank was on this list that I had gotten. I don't remember now. I got now, it. when is this? this? Is when you're trying this to get the computer? 80, late trying to get the computer. We're trying, trying, to, to, trying to get the money to start, get the business started. And so we do go to a bank. And the guy we're talking to, he was very nice. And he said that. He said, well, I need some kind of a business plan. What have you got in mind? And so we're like, okay. So we go back home and we create a business plan. I still have a copy of that business plan. And we drafted this thing up. It's probably 20, 25 pages long. And I took it in and handed it to him. And he read, he called him back a couple days later. Very complimentary. This is the single best business plan I have ever read, is what he said to me. No way am I ever going to give you any money. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was crushed. And he was like, can I keep this business plan? I was like, no, I want it back. So I went and got it back. Because if he wasn't going to give me the money, then I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> well, so. so so these days you've got you've got now you got CoStar has purchased the business. You're under five year no non compete. Probably not going to try to go compete on year six. I'm guessing. Nope, nope. <laughs> and so you're just spending your life enjoying walking your dog, hiking, fishing on your new 250 acres, three ponds, and going to hockey games. I'm a huge Predators fan. Yeah. So I go in, and we're building an ice facility now in Sumner County. I don't know if you've heard about it. I have. I didn't know that was you. That's me and my son. No kidding. We're behind that. Yeah, so tell, uh, for those that are in the Nashville area, this would be an interesting just kind of a sidebar, but look, give, give us a couple of minutes on what you're doing right there, because I know where, I know exactly where it is, too, so tell us a little bit about it. When the Predators first came to town, I had never been to a, I had never watched an entire hockey game. Uh, and we're like, well, we should buy some tickets out of Civic Duty. It's a professional team here in Nashville. Let's buy four season tickets. So we came down first night. They're here, grand opening night. 
I was I, at that game too. Oh, I was at that game. And I have to hand it to the Predators organization. That very first game, they started in with that Hockey 101 because they knew they were talking to an audience that knew nothing about the sport. Well, we were there. We heard Hockey 101, and we got hooked on the game. So we got season tickets that first year, and we've been season ticket holders ever since. And then about, oh, I don't know, about 10 years ago, we uh, bought a, we got a suite there in Bridgestone, which a suite is an awesome deal, very expensive, but it's an awesome deal. You get, uh, we get uh, 16 tickets to every hockey game. So we get friends, everybody, my family, everybody gets into it. So my wife and I got to talk, and we heard about the place in Franklin closing down. There was a nice facility down there closing down and we're like oh, man there's like they're desperate for ice around this place so we got to talking probably 10 years ago about building an ice facility there in hendersonville make a long story short we really couldn't get it to figure out a couple of other people though came to the same conclusion i had gone to the mayor of hendersonville and mentioned this to him that i would donate the land to the city if they would build a hockey a nice facility there I went to the meeting. He had a commission to study, $20 million. The minute I heard that number, I was like, well, forget that. This is not ever going to happen. So that, as far as I was concerned, that was the end of it. Well, then this guy, Kevin, who's with Stratos Development, and they're the developers on the project, came to us with an idea of buying the goat farm, combining that with my 20 acres, land that was down on the lake, and we can make this thing happen. Well, that just so happened to correspond with... In a few months, we were selling STR. And I'm like, well, gee whiz, I'm about to have a whole lot of money, and this thing's going to cost $20 million. I think I might just could finance this thing. So me and my son went together with Kevin, and we created Old Hickory Hockey, LLC, and that is the entity that we're going to use to develop that area that is a phenomenal it's the story. last remaining tract of land between hendersonville and gallatin that is not developed and we're going to put a nice facility right there along with restaurants and a hotel and a few other things and uh so yeah my son and i who when my wife passed away basically in her will my son got her half i got my half so my son and i are now partners in just about everything so we're going together and doing this. Well, I, that is ice I, facility. I, I, did, I, I mean, I knew the, I didn't know the whole story, but I knew about it. And I'll tell you how I knew about it. So I was a, a member of the class of uh, the first class of leadership Gallatin, which is a city in Sumner County, the seat of Sumner County. And I was I was part of the seat or, or the uh, uh, the first class. And we I guess it was last year, year before last. We I can't remember my time. COVID completely erased my ability to remember oh, what uh, year <laughs> things happened. I can imagine what the hotel industry did, but. But one of the things that we did as part of our class uh, project was talk about signage in and out of Gallatin. And, and we, my, my piece of my sign the, the one with my little group was at your, the land right there at Shoot oh. Lane. And I, my thing was, whoever's doing that, you need to tell them to put a really nice welcome to Gallatin sign in the front of, because that's... Oh, well, now we the, can do that. Yeah, there you go. That's the new city. Well, that's the city limits. We're going to have to widen the Shoot's Lane right there. Oh, yeah. But from Jack Anderson down... So as the as we finish up our conversation here today, there's a lot of entrepreneurs that haven't started yet or they're just getting started. And if they're sitting here listening to this show, The Root of All Success, and they've got me as the host, and they got you who just sold a business for nine figures, almost half a billion dollars, what would you what one or two pieces of advice would you give them about getting started? Getting started is hands down the hardest part. And you know, it takes a commitment. You know, it, 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 it takes a drive. It, it takes a lot. You know, the niche is important. Wherever you're going to try and go after, that is important. But often it's not anywhere near as important as all the commitment and drive that it takes to get there. Uh, you know, you can have the best idea in the world, but unless you're really committed to it, it just is not going to happen. But the biggest thing I would tell people today, and actually it's something I've said all along throughout my career, uh, when I sit down with students, I've talked to a lot of students through the years, just pay attention to what's going on around you. Just look. You know, I, I've made a lot of money, used to, I, I'm out of it now, but I made a lot of money in the stock market. I made a lot of money. As SDR started throwing off money, 
I would buy. And I'm looking at these computers that I'm building. So we were early investors, early investors in Microsoft, Intel, Apple. I'm buying all these things because I'm looking around me and that's exactly what I'm surrounding myself with. And so it's just a matter of looking and watching and read. Read the Wall Street Journal. And I, I, Forbes, Fortune, I hit them all. Business Week, Financial World, things that aren't even printed anymore. And just, I, I watched what was going on around me. And that was probably, that being aware is probably the single biggest thing I would tell people to do. But to, somebody asked me for career advice here a while back, and I didn't know what to tell that person. I was actually, you know, it's a product of the Tennessee school system, which sometimes is not so good. And he, I kept referring to, he needs to target baby boomers. All of us are about to be retiring. So think about what we're going to be doing, traveling. We're going to be doing all kinds. Now, this was before the pandemic hit. But I was like, you know, all of us baby boomers. That's why you got Walgreens on every street corner now. Because you got this, us baby boomers out there. We're on every street corner. And so just any type of business that caters to people my age, you know, you got a good chance at. And so I was talking to this person, and I mentioned about the travel, that baby boomers are going to travel. They're retiring. They've got a lot of money. They're going to hit the skies. He was a mechanic. I said, well, you need to shift in and become a jet mechanic, be able to start working on. And I was like, and chances are today you can get a job in Memphis. All those FedEx planes going in and out of there, I bet you they're desperate for jet mechanics. I said, but the travel industry is going to grow. Now, this was before the pandemic. I do think at some point that will happen again. Yep. But it may take a little while now. But anyway, so I'm talking along here about the, you know, cater to the baby boomer. This guy looks at me and he's like, wait a minute, what is that phrase you keep using? And I'm trying to think of what phrase I'm using. He never, he was not familiar with, Baby boomers. No kidding. No. Really? How and old so is this then guy? I was like, I was like, you know, you know, generations, the way they label generations and stuff like this. And he's like, Randy, I don't know what you're talking about. Never heard of it. The guy was clueless as to what's going on in the world around him. He was working. He was going about his job. He was had a good steady income, but he wanted more. But I was like, well, you're going to have to look out more then. You're going to have to start looking at a broader world than what you're looking at right now. Pay attention. And just, I was like, oh my goodness, that lack of awareness, I found astounding. <laughs> well, I am so honored that you decided to be on this show. I know you don't do a lot of this. So thank you for being here. It's very, very good to get to meet you and to hear your story. I, I'm, I'm even more impressed now. Um, and and I, as, I, as I finish this out, I would tell the listeners, you know, if you want to be successful, like Randy's been successful with his with STR, you know, it starts with just knowing what are my probabilities of success? How do I know that I could even do this? And if you want to check online, you can go take a free assessment based on the five P's of success that I covered, I talk about in this episode and every episode of passion and place and people preparation and plan. I've written this assessment completely free. You can go take the assessment online at my website at therealjasonduncan.com slash success. So you can take that and then it's only 17 questions. It won't take you very long. You get a free personalized report in your email that gives you your chances of success with whatever business venture, whether it's data for traveling and the hospitality industry or jet mechanics or whatever it happens to be, or ice rinks, <laughs> whatever it is, it can give you your odds of success and give you a kind of a sense of, am I going to be successful? Can I one day sell my business for nine figures like our guest Randy Smith did uh, and talked about today. So thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Go to YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash The Real Jason Duncan to watch this and see where we're filming it live here in Nashville. But thank you for being here. Next episode, we're going to talk with yet another amazingly successful entrepreneur. I want to thank Randy Smith for being here today. It's been a fantastic honor to talk to you, sir. Thank you for being here. And I will see you guys next week. And until then, remember, Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. 
take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.